What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. This is part two of a two-part boxing podcast that Duan, myself, and Robert Silva, who we bring on in this second part, did over the weekend. Uh, if you listen to Saturday Saturday's podcast, uh, Duan and I recorded it uh, right after Amir Khan beat Samuel Vargas. Uh, we wanted to talk about that fight and also talk a little bit about his future, Khan's future, as uh, as a welterweight, and then we kind of dovetailed into a discussion about Manny Pacquiao, who is a possible Khan opponent. Khan had mentioned him, uh, also Kel Brook, and in uh, and that podcast was kind of a part one into what we're going to talk about today on on the second part of the podcast. Like I mentioned, we bring on Robert Silva, who has written a bunch of articles for our website. Uh, the greatest uh, heavyweight, and uh, I'm sorry, the greatest middleweight. Uh, he's written about welterweights. Um, really good with the historical biography stuff. Uh, both of these guys are are just diehard, diehard boxing fans, and uh, we we talk about the big fight this weekend, Canelo and Golovkin. Preview the whole thing. We then talk about the boxing landscape. Uh, as it is with the new TV deals and all the TV money and streaming money running around. Um, and then uh, we kind of get into the, into the end of it. We talk about possible future fights that, that we may be interested in seeing, uh, why doing them is kind of hard. Uh, and then at the end, they give you uh, their picks for, for people you should keep your eye on, especially if you are uh, looking into getting into boxing more. You know, who, who are the next guys? Who are the next stars? They, they give you some picks. The one thing that we didn't get into uh, just because of the timing. So we recorded it on Saturday, like I mentioned, after the con fight. But it was also before Porter and Danny Garcia. Uh, and we wanted to you know, talk about that fight. But based on the time when this second podcast would come out, uh, the fight would be over already. And, and since we hadn't seen it, because it hadn't aired, there was no real reason to talk about it. But uh, Sean Porter beat Danny Garcia for the WBC welterweight championship and it was a, it was an interesting fight i wouldn't say it was a fantastic fight that you had to go out of your way to see uh, but it was definitely a mix of styles uh, porter was being overly aggressive and uh boxing in, in a kind of a uh just giving just giving garcia tons of different looks uh and 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 sort of getting trying to make him uh get out of rhythm garcia didn't wasn't really phased by it um, he stayed in his game plan. Uh, I think he probably thought some of the uh, antics were uh, maybe a little a little too much. There was a couple instances where you know they butted heads, or uh, but there was a lot of holding and stuff going on as well from Garcia's side. Uh, but at the end of the fight, when it was announced that uh, Porter had won, you could see disappointment on Garcia's uh, face. I, I think he probably thought he won the fight, and it was really close fight. Um, you know, you, you it was it, depending on what you thought was uh was more valuable to to the winner uh porters uh he threw more punches he was more active he made it look like he was doing more and and in in some instances made it look like he was doing more than he actually was and garcia was more consistent uh he was more accurate he landed uh more accurately some of the power shots uh, but at the end of the day, when it's a fight that close you know you you kind of put it in the hand of the judges that neither guy was was uh in trouble, um, there wasn't there wasn't any risk of of anyone going down or or anyone being really hurt. So it was it was a fight that was based on you know what the judges saw. So 
uh, Porter talked about, actually Jim Gray asked him uh, about watching the Hagler versus Leonard fight from 1987. And the reason Porter said that he wanted to watch it is because he didn't want Garcia to steal the rounds like uh, Sugar Ray Leonard did against Hagler in that fight, you know, late in the round, you know, flurry the last 15 seconds or whatever it was. And, and he said he wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. So that's specifically why he watched it. And then at the end, uh, Errol Spence came in and tried to set up a fight with, with Porter. But, uh, so if you, if you, you know, you didn't hear us talk about that, that was the reason why, but I just wanted to, to kind of talk about it, uh, before we get into the podcast, but, uh, hopefully you enjoy it. This is part two. If you didn't listen to part one, that's on the, uh, the SoundCloud channel, uh, soundcloud.com front slash fight game blog. Uh, but you can also, uh, you know, you can also find us on, um, on Apple podcasts, uh, on, uh, ton, uh, you know, basically wherever else you can find it. I haven't put it on Spotify yet. I'm looking into doing that, but I, I don't know if that's necessary or not these days, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, check it out and, uh, thanks for listening. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious. I want your heart, I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. And on the cool check-in, center stage on the mic. And we putting it on wax. It's the new style. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. I've been doing a lot of uh, pro wrestling podcasts with John LaRocca lately. But I think my favorite of all three sports, uh, when we talk about the combat sports that we cover on Fight Game Blog, to talk about is boxing. And when I talk boxing on this on this uh, website, you get to hear uh, my buddy doing. But we're also bringing on... Uh, Robert Silva, who's who's done some writing for us. So the two guys that I generally talk about boxing with are, are both on the show tonight. Um, first, Duan, what's up, man? Hi, GG. Um, yeah, it's it's great to be on with Robert tonight. Um, Robert's just a great boxing historian, fantastic knowledge of the sport. And, uh, you know, when you talk about those classic US TV fights, I think he has a better knowledge than almost anyone I know. So, you know, getting the opportunity to talk to him about, it, about that type of stuff is 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 awesome. So I'm glad that yeah he spent some time with us here tonight because I know he's between uh, watching tennis and boxing himself tonight. <laughs> he's got a busy schedule lined up. Big night. By the way, congratulations to Naomi Osaka, the first Japanese-born tennis player to win a major. She defeated the greatest female tennis player of all time, Serena Williams. A match that uh, uh, ended about 45 minutes ago. Some controversy, but look, I'm the biggest Serena fan. Osaka deserved it, and she reminds me of a young Serena as the half-Haitian, half-Japanese woman could be the next big star in tennis. But do one, back to me watching boxing. I've been watching boxing since 1977, and back then, uh, we, had a, we had a pre-show discussion about uh, the content, how boxing has made a huge comeback as far as network television. Well, from 1977 to 1989, you didn't go a weekend without ABC, CBS, or NBC, one of the three major networks here in the United States, showing a, 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 a maybe even two or three live 
television televised fights. And I mean, uh, that was when boxing was heyday, especially with the Fab Four in the 1980s of Hearns, Hagler, Duran, and Leonard. Yeah, so. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, as we get through this show. But the main part of the show, uh, there's 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 a pretty big boxing fight uh, happening uh, next weekend between um, or actually this weekend between uh, Canelo and uh, Triple G. And it's the second fight of of uh, that they've had last year. They had the 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 draw that I think a lot of people uh, were a little up in arms with. But um, the second fight is coming, and there's you know it has its own intrigue. One being that it's a rematch, but two, just there's a lot there's a lot of stuff going around. It was canceled once, and then it's it's on again, and so that's going to be the focus of this show. We'll talk a little bit about what what Robert was uh, and doing. We're talking about as we get through it. But first, guys, um, I you know I just sort of realized that this fight was on its way and coming, and uh, HBO had their twenty four seven. Which was actually it was actually pretty good. It was, but you know, it, it's not like the twenty four seven in their heyday where they were doing you know four episodes heading into uh, heading into a big fight. But it just kind of hit me, and I was just like, wow, you know, for as as interested as I am in this fight, it feels that publicly the uh, it's either slow to pick up or or, the, or there's something going on because I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. Uh, Doing, let's start with you. I mean, you're 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 not you know you're you're over in uh, where you live, not in the states. But uh, what's the what's the vibe for this fight over there? Yeah, I think it's a little bit surprising actually because usually when there's we we do rematches, even though a lot of people complain about it, they usually draw really well, especially if the first fight did well and it delivered in ring. And this is a fight that did deliver well, well in ring. It was a really good first fight, very competitive. Um, and I think most people enjoyed it. So I'm kind of struggling to see why it hasn't caught the public's imagination as much uh, a, a second time around. You know, I'm sure it will, will still do excellent business. Uh, the Mexican f- fans always come out to support their guys. They're some of the b- b- best boxing fans in the business. But uh, I do feel like this fight is being a little bit slept on um, just for, for comparatively to how the first one was received. Robert, on your on, in your neck of the woods, are are you feeling it? Do you, do you feel like uh, people are excited, or is there a little bit of a lull in uh, anticipation? Great question, G. If you look, the um, Phantom Events is showing this live on closed circuit throughout the United States in movie theaters. I saw the last fight on closed circuit because it's only twenty dollars compared to. on pay-per-view. Today I looked up because I'm still waiting for my girlfriend to to answer my question. Do you want to go see this fight? Do you want to take your son? I'll take my son so I know how many tickets I'm going to buy. So I was worried. I I, uh, typed in to see how many tickets were available at the Long Island City movie theater that we plan on going to see. They haven't sold one ticket yet. Wow. Last year, the theater I saw was sold out at this time a week before the fight. The anticipation for this fight is nowhere near last year's fight, which is interesting in itself because last year's pay-per-view was tremendously successful despite the fact that it was coming off the McGregor-Mayweather 
mega fight that right. big over four million pay per view buys. Right. And I believe Canelo and Triple G did two million. So I'm, I don't think they're going to come close to it. I think maybe a million because Duan makes a great point. The reason boxing exists and stayed around for so long, despite its decrease in popularity throughout the 21st century, is the Latin fans, the Mexican fans. Mm-hmm. The Mexican fans have carried this sport. I mean, and it began with uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, Oscar De La Hoya, and now Canelo has, has taken up that, that, that mantle. It's the Mexican fans who love this sport. They're number one sport. It's even more popular than soccer, football in their country. They'll come out in droves because every time I go to a movie theater, uh, 50% to 60% of the audience is Mexican. And that's saying a lot because in New York City, the Mexican, Mexican population is nowhere near the population is in, in California and other parts in the West. So... I don't even know if this is going to sell out the movie theaters in New York like it did last year. Well, I think, you know, one of the things, uh, and we can kind of look at it uh, as a partial reason, is, uh, like I said at the top, there there was one scorecard in the first fight that left people with a bad taste in their mouth. Uh, they, that that the, the judge who who had Canelo winning uh, eight rounds to or ten rounds to two or something like that. And um, yeah, Adelaide Bird. And, there yeah. you go. And so that, you know, and then, and then you know, one. And one. let's get it right, Gigi. Just hold on one second there. That was one terrible scorecard. I don't think we got a bad result to this fight. I don't think the draw was a terrible result. It, there was just one terrible scorecard, which, as you said, left a bad taste in people's spirit. I think the other two scorecards were completely plausible. I, I, I think they were absolutely, like, plausible. I think my scorecard was. Uh, Six rounds Golovkin, five rounds Canelo, and I had one round uh, up in the air. So I, I completely agree with that. But I, I just feel like after that fight, because of that bad scorecard, you know, people people were just kind of like, "Oh, here we go again." That they, they were just trying to build to a second fight, and uh, you know that that whole thing. We we hear that a lot in boxing. But I think the other thing, and I, I'm interested in get to get your take on this is. So Canelo fails a, a drug test for clenbuterol, um, which uh, and the amount of clenbuterol that was in his system was so small that people who understand the uh, the the you know the PED stuff really well said, "Oh, okay, I I understand what this is. He he's he lives in Mexico. In Mexico, many of the the ranchers shoot up cows with steroids just to to." Because they they want the cows to be bigger, and it's just an issue in Mexico. It's also in some other uh, other countries that this has happened. And so uh, they 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 tested Canelo, and then his second test, and I think maybe even a third test, like literally trace amounts. And so in the UFC, if USADA was uh, in charge of the drug testing, uh, the, U, the the they would have said, okay, we get what this is. It's trace amounts. There's no problem here. But with this with this situation, uh, I don't and I don't know why uh, Canelo gets uh, gets fingered for PEDs. Um, he gets suspended, and the fight is postponed. So, or actually, the fight is off. I think Golovkin even said at one point that he he had no interest in in getting the the fight going again, which was pretty silly because there's so much money in it for that him. That was BS, right? That was BS. And isn't Usada in charge of the UFC testing? 
USADA is in charge of the UFC testing. I want to say that Vada. And I don't think they did this test. Didn't Vada do this testing? The Canelo Triple G test. Right. right? I think it's Vada who yeah. did this one. So right. So um, I don't know if Golovkin doesn't understand what the deal is, or maybe he thinks Canelo is taking other stuff, and and he's he's just like pointing his finger at this stuff, but. He's been really on the offensive with Golovkin, calling him a cheater. You know, he doesn't think he's clean. He doesn't think he's ever been clean. And these are two guys who, at one point, seemingly had a a, a friendly relationship as as two guys kind of up and coming. Um, and and I think that has also put a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth of fans on this fight. Is is the drug testing stuff? Um, doing like, can you think of any other reasons why people may be down on this second fight? I'm not sure, to be honest. It, like, I think you know, as you said, the delay and the controversy and all that may have hurt it to some degree. But on the flip side of that, there's also, as you said, it's turned into a rivalry this time around. Whereas last time it was very sporting they were very respectful of each other this time there is a little bit of needle and usually that's good for selling right, a fight right. uh, and you know that hasn't seemed to be the, be the be the case um it's weird the whole situation with the testing is weird we we've seen a lot of guys who've had you know flagrant failures in the past who really have been able to shake it off and yeah. just and you know Canelo who seems to have a fairly followed the excuse for what what happened um, has really been taken to task, but for it at least publicly. And uh, and Robert, I, I want to get your thoughts on this too. But I was I was talking um, to uh, to Dave Meltzer about this because you know he has a really good uh, handle on on the PED game, and I said, you know, if Golden Boy doesn't believe that Canelo failed this test or that he wasn't taking anything. Why were they so apologetic and not, you know, creating a, a defense against against what he did? Because I haven't, I haven't, I didn't understand why, you know, they just were sort of accepting of the suspension. And and Dave said something to the effect of, you know, they probably just just didn't want the public eye to look at them as complainers when it comes to these uh, to these PEDs because you know. The fans that the public fans don't know enough about how this stuff works. They just follow what the news reports are, and the news reports were that you know Canelo Alvarez failed for clenbuterol, and I just would have been so much more defensive if I was Canelo, saying like, "Look, here's what happened. Like, if you look at the trajectory of how this usually works, look at the amount of this stuff that was in my system from this day to this day to this day." This is how this this is the same pattern that 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 uh, you know that that usually happens with the the tainted meat. It's just you know for whatever reason they decided okay we're just going to be be quiet and I think it was probably in hopes of let's just quiet up now and we'll we'll wait a couple months and then we'll be able to get this fight back going. But but Robert, in anything else that you can think of or uh, as to why or do you, or do you think it was the kind of the things that we brought up? I remember when you and Dave talked about it on a podcast you guys did together several months ago, and and Dave was you know Dave was hitting the nail on the head. It's like you don't understand why the suspension occurred because of the low trace in his system, and I agree with with Dave on why Golden Boy didn't put up a, a bigger a bigger outcry because they didn't want. I, I don't 
they didn't want the ticket sales affected. They wanted the fight to go on eventually. And no matter what uh, Triple G was going to say, oh, he's a cheater, blah, blah, I don't want to fight him. There's no bigger fight out there for him. He's not going to have a fight to garner this much money other than Canelo Alvarez. Um, I think the boxing fans and the public are frustrated. They really wanted to see Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. And the Joshua camp, especially Eddie Hearn, have delayed this fight. This fight should be happening, not Wilder versus Fury. But, you know, he knows he's got a couple of tomato cans lined up for Joshua in front of 90,000 people. Hearn is trying to maximize as much money as possible before putting him in with Wilder. And maybe Fury has a chance of beating Wilder, but we'll talk about that later. I think the boxing fans are frustrated because the fight they really want to see more than Canelo and Triple G, the rematch, they've seen this fight once before. I don't, they probably don't think they're going to see anything different. Remember, Triple G's a year older, yep. and Canelo hasn't fought in a year. So what, what, what are you going to expect? You can't, they're not expecting a better fight. The 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 out the the surge. Everybody wants to see Wilder versus Joshua. That's not happening, and this might be the boxing fans' way of boycotting a boxing pay per view. Interesting, doing. I, I do want your thoughts on on what Robert just said, but I'm going to actually put that underneath uh, on the topics list. We'll get back to that because I, I want to hear your thoughts on that, being that you're so close to that side. Um, but, okay, so... Well, just before just before we move on from that, um, just what you were saying about, you know, Golovkin having a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder this time and, you know, really having a, a, a distaste for Canelo. I just wanted, wanted to get both of your guys' thoughts is if you think it will affect how this fight is fought. Are we going to see, you know, a looser fight maybe this time, a, a more a more fiery fight this time around? Or, you know, are we going to see more, more of the same? Because generally when you see fights that get postponed and get pushed back, they tend to turn out a little bit different in ring than how, how you would have figured. And I'm just wondering if, if it's going to get in the head of one or both these guys and you know if they're going to go into this fight with something looking for to prove something go go for it robert well i triple g would have won that fight easily last year if he would have went to the body he didn't go to the body at all triple g's one of the best body punches in boxing he didn't go to the body something like what you just mentioned the one i mean he's been very testy in the media maybe he goes head hunting and walks into something. That's a possibility. Triple G sounds more upset than Canelo. Canelo is the same Canelo. And I see. I don't see Canelo taking chances. First fight, he didn't take chances. I see Canelo trying to box and taking Triple G into deep waters, which helped him last year because Triple G lost the last three rounds. Right. Those were the clearest rounds of the fight because he was tired. Triple G goes all out. Canelo withstands that furious assault, you might see a knockout here, a Triple G get knocked out. I don't think you'll see a knockout. Both men have the, two of the best chins in the 21st century. But uh, Triple G, if he's off his game, if he's thinking one-punch knockout power, no one knocks out Canelo, just like no one knocks out Triple G. But Triple G might walk into something. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that because, well, you're right. They both do have... Uh, incredible chins you know when the big shots started landing 
uh, in the last fight, it was in the later rounds when they'd lost some steam and they're about warm to it. Uh, if the, like both of these guys hit hard enough, we've seen, we've seen, you know, uh, yep. Canelo wipe out guys like James Kirkland early. Um, we've seen Golovkin, you know, in that run he had when he first came onto US TV, what was it, 10 or 12 knockouts straight. You know, if if one of those big sh- if they, one of these people do one of these two guys do get reckless early, it, it, you know it, it it could be an early night. So so the way that I would answer that is, um, I I think the pattern of the fight will probably lean a lot closer. I mean, will lean close as close to the first fight, just the way, just the rhythm and and, and style. Because the the way that it doesn't is if Canelo comes out like you know looking for the knockout right away, and I just don't see him. Uh, doing that but I mean you know like Robert said he is Golovkin's a a year later he's a he's maybe uh slightly past his prime I I I can't say that um for sure but if you you can say is you know this is in the middleweight division there isn't many people around at 36 years old towards the top of the division I think at the top you know 15 maybe 20 in the world robert uh, i don't i don't think there's anybody older than golovkin right now is there well in the in the history of the middleweight division which is in my opinion the second greatest division historically in terms of talent you had two legendary champions still fighting at the top of their game at 37 to 40 years old cosmo retired at 37 as the undisputed middleweight champion of the world having having won his last 80 plus fight and bernard hopkins destroy Felix Tito Trinidad late in his career and was the world was the undisputed middleweight champion of the world until the age of 40 when he lost a disputed decision to Jermaine Taylor but he was still on top of his game and would go on to win the light heavyweight championship twice after losing those two fights to Jermaine Taylor but I don't think Golovkin's in his prime but those are two examples of (laughs) two of the greatest middleweights in the history of the sport that you could read Articles I wrote about on my man Triple G's fight game blog website. So, so yeah, and and I think I think Hopkins is is, is a different rule than almost everybody else. <laughs> he's, he's, he's an alien. everybody else, though. Yeah, he's and an alien. you know, even with the Hop, I think you know. Later on, when he got really old, he did move up to super middleweight and then light heavyweight, and you know had success there. And we have seen at the heavy at the heavyweight division and light heavyweight division, we've seen guys go into their forties in the last few years. There and there is a few out there still at the moment, guys like Sam Suleiman and people like that who are you know forty years old. But I don't think we've seen anybody in the last few years at their peak in their late 30s at middleweight. I, I, I don't think we've seen too, too many around. So, well, Bernard was 36 years old when he destroyed Felix Tito Trinidad in the greatest performance of his career. And that was a one-sided beating. That was a virtuoso performance against one of the greatest fighters of the last 20 years. And Bernard was 36 when he did that. Same yeah, as but is now. <laughs> but what, what, what uh, Dave Belster says about that is, yeah, you know, there's one there's a different rule for Randy Couture and Bernard Hoffman. There is everybody. Else. <laughs> so, 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 so let's actually let's actually move on to something that I think is a really interesting topic about this fight. Is um, you know, we we all know that Canelo is uh, publicly the the bigger fighter. He's he's the reason uh, that that. Uh, you know, if you want to call him the A side or whatever, uh, and 
I, I do wonder, you know, who needs this fight more? Because, you know, for Golovkin, he's uh, he, he's been he's been sort of like uh, for the last five years, he's kind of been like that guy that the, the you know, the real boxing fans know. But publicly, you know, I think it's just been the last couple of years that people have really understood mm-hmm. how great he is. And but Canelo, on the other hand, he hasn't really knocked that that one door over yet. You know, he had the Mayweather fight er, early in his career, too early for him to to probably uh, beat Mayweather. But this is like a real this is like his stepping stone, uh, I think, to, to greatness, possibly is is winning this fight. But but uh, Robert, I'll go to you first. Who, who needs this more? Is it Canelo or is it Triple G? Great question, Triple G. Great question. I feel like Tadahashi. <laughs> Great question. Both these fighters need this fight to cement their legacy. Triple G, while he's had a long run, um, it's been over six years that he's held a middleweight championship, a version of the middleweight championship, he has yet to beat anybody name-worthy. You look at his resume, he's beaten a bunch of cameramen, cab drivers, zombies. He's never beaten anybody. Oh, the Daniel Jacobs fight, I thought Daniel Jacobs won that fight. I was there that night, thought they robbed him. That's his biggest win. And while Daniel Jacobs is a good fighter, the best fighter Triple G's ever beaten, he's not a Hall of Famer, nowhere near Hall of Famer. Canelo, while he's beaten some great fighters, they were all past the part prime. Shane Mosley was in a rocket chair when he beat Shane Mosley, <laughs> right? He didn't knock out Shane Mosley, right? Uh, James Kirkland was a wannabe Tyson. Uh, Amir Khan can't take a punch at welterweight. How's he going to take a punch at middleweight? Uh, Canelo has yet to get... And the fight with Erislam Delara, I thought... I scored a draw. That fight could have gone either way. He hasn't had a convincing win over a great fighter. Neither fighter has. This... this a convincing knockout win by either fighter cements their legacy. Doing? I guess I agree with what Robert says there. And rather than answer what you said is who needs to win, I think what I'll say is who needs to change more. Um, and for me, it's Canelo in this fight. I think... Usually when I watch a rematch, when we we have a rematch, the thing I look for is kind of what is the default pattern of that fight. Mm -hmm. And I think the default pattern of that fight was what you saw from round to end. It was uh, the psychological pressure Golovkin was putting on Canelo, just walking him down, outworking him, making him work at a pace he wasn't comfortable at. And just doing too much and, and just stealing those rounds. I think he sw- swept that middle part of the fight. Um, it, Canelo had a good start. He had a good finish. But I think that middle part of the fight was what you would expect to see second time around. Usually that's what you see. It, whatever default pattern of a fight is in a rematch, you usually are going to see see that only more pronounced. And that's what I'm expecting this time is um, a, 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 a more convincing win from Triple G. Maybe, maybe, maybe something quite broad on the cards. I, I think we're going to have to see a clear winner and loser this time anyway. Okay, so if you were to... Um, and obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're fans. We're, we're, you know, Canelo has people around him who... Who can, who can give him the the proper strategy? But if you were just to say, you know, how could how would Canelo change that pattern that you're talking about? Like, what could he do to 
um, changed the the way that Golovkin wants this fight to go so that it doesn't happen in that way? Um, okay, the first thing, the first fight around, the first three rounds, Canelo, I, th- I, thought, the, I thought Canelo, they were all close rounds, but I thought Canelo caused Golovkin a lot of problems. Uh, it was the first time we've ever seen Golovkin frustrated in his career. He was shaking his head. He was angry. He couldn't get his timing. He couldn't get his rhythm. The reason why he did that was because he couldn't uh, deal with Canelo's jab. Canelo, which was a surprise. I think most people expected a jabbing contest Golovkin would win. Canelo t- destroyed his rhythm with his jab. He dropped that off from the fourth round to the 10th round when he got in trouble. And the reason why he did that was because of that pressure. Uh, right. He, you know, he, he started, he started, he started to, his, his energy started to wane. He got a little bit lazy on the jab and started to try walk him onto one big punch. I think a big thing for Canelo this time is keep the jab up, keep the activity up, not let Golovkin outwork him. And, you know, he's the younger man. He has to fight the younger man. man. He has to fight like the younger man. You know, Robert said in the last fight, Canelo swept 10 to 12 when, when, when the pressure was on. If he hadn't had that dip in those middle rounds, you know, maybe he could have he, he could, could have made Golovkin feel the pace a little bit earlier uh, and you know this year we're one year, we're one more year one more year on for Golovkin he's another year older so so uh so robert i think i think Duan's basically given his his uh, his prediction here saying that uh, he thinks Golovkin is going to is going to win and and do it in a more convincing fashion um, and and did, what do you think about that? And and is your prediction uh, different? Dawn makes a great point about the pressure that Golovkin put on Canelo in the first fight. I, it's funny. The, the the fight was broken down into three parts. The first three rounds, like Dawn said, was Canelo. Rounds four through nine was all Triple G. Rounds ten to twelve was Canelo. These two fighters have to do two things differently. Duan hit the nail on the head with Canelo. He stopped jabbing after the third round. He was dominating the fight for two rounds because Golovkin wasn't used to that jab. Remember, Daniel Jacobs did the same thing with, with, uh, with, triple, with, with uh, triple G. His jab, and, his, and he's a much taller fighter than, than Golovkin, gave Golovkin all types of trouble. If Canelo keeps pumping that jab, and with, it, I don't see either one get knocked out. I see a decision. When it, comes to, when it comes to Triple G, what he has to do differently, he totally abandoned the body in the first fight. Triple G is one of the greatest body punches in the game today, and he didn't throw any body punches in the first fight. Probably less than 10. I mean, he was headhunting the whole way. Now, while it was successful for rounds four to nine, it hurt him because in the last three rounds, he was winded, and Canelo was the fresher fighter. He applies the body punching. Maybe when he hurt Canelo a few times in the in the middle rounds, he could have knocked him down and possibly stopped him. He didn't go to the body. I did not. I do not understand why. I don't think he'll make that mistake in this fight. I see Golovkin go to the body. I mean, it it it's it's weird. You you're a great body puncher and you don't go to the body. Canelo's a great body puncher too, but Canelo's not going to go to Triple G's body because Canelo's going to try to outbox. Triple G. To me, it's simple. Golovkin's got to go to the body more. Canelo has got to rely on his jab. Jab. Keep jabbing like Duan said he did in the first three rounds. Did that? Whoever does that more successfully than the other wins the fight. 
Well, what do you think? What, what do you think happens? I think, I think Triple G, because he's a year older, and because he's going to go in there looking for a knockout, and head punch is going to tire earlier than he did in the first fight, and I see Canelo winning the decision. See, I, I, that's, I, that's interesting. Hold on, that, that, that's interesting because I think you know when we when we when we they fought first time, Gareth. I think both of us kind of saw it as a crossroads at that yeah. point. We we thought like you know the later this fight happens, the more it's going to favor Canelo, which is exactly what Robert's saying now. Sure, and you know. That, that, that's that, that's what what I would have thought before the first fight. I would have, I would have thought you know uh, if the, if they were if they were to rematch a year down the line, if this was close, it would swing in in uh, Canelo's favor. But I I do I, I I do think just by how it played out, I I do favor Canelo or I do favor Glavkin this time. But something also that I just was just thinking about there about what Robert was saying about um, Golovkin being reckless. We've seen Golovkin very reckless in his career in the past when he's not worried about a puncher which which he wasn't in the first fight at all he was he had effective aggression but he didn't have the kind of reckless abandon where he was just walking into shots to land his ones which we'd seen him do with lesser opponents which tells me he does respect canelo's power so you know if he if he neglects that this time and he does go headhunting trying to take him out canelo has the the power to turn any middleweight's lights out yeah and and what i was going to say is I agree. I mean, you guys both make great points. I mean, we should like put you guys on ESPN right now and do uh, and do like a half an hour conversation about some stuff um, because you guys you guys are both uh, you, you you both can t- you, you know you can talk both sides. You can see what's good for one guy and what the other guy needs to do. Um, and that that's what's so great about this fight. I think is because I think we can see it, it's like. Um, it's like one of those old choose your adventure books from from when we were kids. It's like, do you want to go this way or this way? Because if we go this way, then Canelo's probably going to win, and if we go this way, then Golovkin's probably going to win. And I, I do wonder if uh, if Golovkin is uh, and and I can't tell uh, it, when I was watching twenty four seven. I was what I was looking for was to see if Golovkin still thought that he had everything and that he was at his own. Uh, physical peak because I, what I was trying to figure out is is he going to try to end the fight early and if that doesn't happen you know like Robert has said about about the, the, the young legs of Canelo that could turn the fight the other way and that's kind of what I see happening is I feel like Golovkin does have to really uh, put it on Canelo early to to uh, to win the fight because if not, I, I can see Canelo's, uh, you know, boxing in, in the end, you know, getting getting the better of it. And if we go to the scorecards, you know, it's it's pretty much any person's game at that point, especially in a close fight. Um, and I, I don't I, the, the the thing about this that that I'm worried about. I mean, not really worried about, but like as as someone who's a fan of boxing is, is that if there, you know, we we could say the first fight was up in the air. It, it was a draw. What happens if the if the second fight is close? Would people even want to see a third fight? Um, I, I feel like the the satisfaction for fans would be a definitive victory, and I'm just not sure if we're going to see it because both guys are are such good fighters that I just don't see one guy definitively owning the other guy to the satisfaction of of you know the the people who are paying eighty bucks, like Robert said, and so that that's kind of my worry is that I think we're going to have another close fight. 
Um, I think the young the young legs may win, but you know I think I said the same thing last year about this fight. So you know it's it's not it's it, it's just sort of a feeling that I have about Canelo as a fighter versus uh, uh, someone who's older than him, um, and it's probably a little bit my sort of conventional uh, wisdom as far as just boxing in general. But I mean I, I think the the main thing is that we're going to see two guys who are really, really, really good. And sometimes what happens is, is you get a bit of a stalemate because they cannot put what they do best over on the other guy because the other guy is so good and it just doesn't allow him to. Um, so let, let's actually get some last thoughts about this fight before we move on. Um, uh, doing anything else that you wanted to say or counter uh, that that we were just talking about? Uh, no, I think, you know, as I said, like, I do think Golovkin will win. That. I, I'm interested in in what both of you guys think of if if you feel Golovkin has shown uh, signs he's diminishing over the last few fights, or is it just a case of him fighting better opponents? You know, Robert mentioned the J- Danny Jacobs fight, and we won't say it too loud, but, you know, I think Danny Jacobs maybe even did a better job against uh, Golovkin than Canelo did first time. And the other thing I wanted to ask Robert was where he sees the winner from this one going, because, you know, there is some other good fights happening in this division. It's one of the few divisions at the moment where actually getting all the fights you want. You know, these are the one and two, but also, you know, Danny Jacobs is the, is got a, a fight coming up for the IBF title against Sergei mm-hmm. Derenchenko. They'll be two top 10 guys as well. And then also at later, later next month, you have... Um, Billy Joe Sanders defending his uh, WBO belt against Demetrius Andrade, who's uh, another fantastic mm-hmm. fighter. So th- that's like, you know, six of the top 10 guys all competing against each other in the space of a month. So, you know, there's going to there's gonna be matches to be made, whatever, whatever result we end up with here. I think that the winner of this fight has no choice but to fight Charlo, Andrade, Sanders, their event. Derevinchenko or Jacobs, whoever wins those fights. They can't fight any. There's no more James Kirkland, no more Kell Brooks, no more Amir, Amir Khans. The winner of this fight needs to fight Charlo or the winner of those other fights that you talk about. The middleweight division is humming for the, for the first time in a long time. I mean, since Bernard Hopkins, uh, since Roy Jones left the division in 1994, it's been one man dominating. Bernard Hopkins dominated for 10 years. Golovkin has dominated since 2011, 2012. It's been a one-man show. Now you have a talent roster that rivals the middleweight division of the late 80s and early 90s when you had fighters like Roy Jones Jr., James Toney, Mike McCollum, uh, Nigel Benn. What was the other British fighter? Man, uh, Chris uh, Eubank. Chris Eubank. Chris- that, Michael Watson as the, well, Steve Collins. Michael Watson, unfortunately, yeah. Michael Watson, you are a very deep, talented division with so many great fights to make from. And Michael Nunn, I didn't even mention Michael Nunn, who was a sensational middleweight. That middleweight division of the late 80s, early 90s was phenomenal. And today, this is for the first time in 30 years, you have the middleweight division with all this talent. And you put a gun to my head. I say Charlo is the best out of all of them. Really? Um, you know, a guy I Devastating think... jab. That jab is phenomenal. And that right cross following that jab, I love the way he fights. I just I, I think any of these guys, 
would Charlo Charlo beat all these guys? He would beat all six fighters. That's interesting. Like, cause I, 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 I think he's an excellent fighter. So, but another guy who I think, you know, and it's, it's been mismanagement out of the ring, which has held him back, is Andrade. I think Andrade's going to beat Billy Joe Saunders and beat him well. And, you know, I'd be very interested Andre, to see him in with Andre either. So, Demetrius has been so inactive the last few years. It's hurt him, both financially and physically. He hasn't fought anybody of note in several years. Yeah, agree, agree. But I, I, I think you know he, if he, if he can get 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 back on the right foot, I think you know he's a he's a tough match for any of those guys. Um, yes, and, I agree. And yes. the, same, it's the same with Danny Jacobs. Danny Jacobs is an excellent fighter as well. So you know there is great yeah. great fights to be made out there. And that being said, the winner Canelo Triple G two has to fight one of those six guys, unless this fight is a a, a, a barn burner better than the first fight another controversial close decision, then you have no choice but to do a third fight next, uh, next May, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, that, that's, that's great. And, and I, I like the way that, uh, that this conversation has dovetailed a little bit because um, my, my, I, I, and I want to save this a little bit because I want to ask you guys uh, in, in, in a few minutes, you know, kind of who, who's out there. And, and uh, Robert just mentioned Charlo. You know who's out there for the public or, or the casual fan to kind of you know kind of grasp and 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 take the reins of to become like oh I want to watch this guy. But before we actually get there, that what I wanted to ask you guys is is something that we talked about a little bit before we actually started recording, which is the new uh, you know a lot of these new TV deals that that these uh, that these companies are, are getting. Um, in in a state of boxing where I would say from a casual fan interest, uh, we're, at, we're in a pretty low place. Um, and I think we have been for a little while, but the Mayweather pay-per-view buy rates were kind of, um, you know, hiding that a little bit. But we have uh, Bob Arum uh, signing a deal with ESPN and ESPN Plus for big money. We have the DAZN deal, which is, I think, uh, $125 million a year. We have uh, Premier Boxing Champion signing two deals, one with Fox and one with Showtime, which supposedly is actually more than the DAZN deal uh, for Matchroom. Uh, uh, so, and, that, and so it has to be over $125 million a year. And so we're, we're in a place of boxing where you know, the money is flowing, the TV money is flowing like it never has before. That is following a little bit of a... Um, of a pattern from the UFC and WWE who, and, and WWE of, of all things, WWE has got the biggest uh, TV deal out of, out of everyone. Um, and, and so the, the, the question that I want to ask and, and doing, you know, I'll ask you first is, you know, in, in a time where, where maybe the casuals are, are kind of out on boxing, um, we're going to have more boxing available on either through a, a, a paid streaming app, which is not even that much money, or uh, or regular television uh, than we have maybe ever. I, I I'm I'm trying to think if you know uh, if there's been you know because there's so many there's so many different channels now that that show stuff. Uh, what is it? What do you think it means for the sport? Like, the, does it, are are we set for possibly boxing uh, getting getting hotter? Um, are they just you know is are, are these boxing uh, promoters are, are are now we just content you know providing content for TV in, in, in this sports TV landscape? Like, what are your thoughts on that whole thing? 
just to give you kind of an idea of the scale of this, right? We've got the, the zone deal, right? Matrium have 16 US uh, fight nights per year, along with 16 UK fight nights per year. That's 32 dates, right? On top of that, they've also got the World Boxing Super Series. There's three new divisions starting up in that in, in, that in the coming months. So that, that'll be more nights on top of that. That's a $1 billion deal for Matrium over the next eight years. PBC then, we've got Fox. We've got 22 dates, um, 10 on Big Fox and uh, 12 on FS1. Um, that's said to be around 60 million. 60 million. They've got the Showtime deal, which you also just mentioned as well, which was just signed before that, which is, again, in and around 60 million. You've got ESPN, who had a three or four year deal signed with with Top Rank. They tore that up and re-signed a seven seven year deal for how well uh, those fights have been performing for them. They've got 54 fights per year across the various platforms. I think it's 18 on the main ESPN channel. 12 on ESPN Plus and then like 24 international fight nights across various platforms as well. On top of that, you've got HBO where we don't really know where they fit into all this. And then you think of the big deals UFC and WWE have got. And I guess what this tells me is it's an industry in flux. Um, The traditional networks are panic buying. They're looking to suck up content. Um, and the streaming services are trying to get their foot into the door, and there's a lot of money to go around, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of dates going around. So we are going to see a lot of fights. Um, you know, there is going to be a time in a year or two where we're going to have to reassess where we are. Not all these promoters can can win out. You know, they they can't all have not all these deals are going to be successful. So that's going to be you know a fascinating thing over the next few years is who really does take 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 charge of the boxing landscape. But because we have all these platforms out there for people to see fights, I think there's an opportunity like there hasn't been in a very long time to create new boxing fans and to create new boxing stars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Robert, what do you think about that? Excellent point, Duan. Excellent point about there'll be so much boxing on television and on the streaming services that um, it, it will it it could create new boxing fans and new boxing stars. Duan Triple G, this is not unlike 1979, 1980, 1981 when the influx of cable television, HBO. ESPN and USA Network all signed deals with promoters throughout the country and with the ABC, CBS, and NBC weekly fights, boxing was all over television throughout the 1980s because whenever a new type of device is invented, the late 1940s, early 1950s, uh, television was first created, they, they, they went to boxing and wrestling. For content because it was cheap content and you only need one camera boom show it live when cable television exploded in the late 70s early 80s they looked to boxing and they looked to wrestling you know the whole thing with the territories being destroyed because of the national uh, of the national airing of usa and tbs wrestling and now you have the streaming services and just like the wwe has done they created their own uh, streaming service and they got to deal with Fox. You see uh, Matchroom with their with their streaming service, Top Rank, with ESPN Plus. I don't think 
or Al Heyman and PBC are doing streaming, but these streaming services need content. Uh, there was, there was uh, interest from Netflix, and I think Netflix negotiated with Aram and Heyman and, and Hearn. These streaming services need content. You, you just can't keep showing the same movie over and over again like HBO did back in the day. You need original programming and boxing and wrestling and UFC and mixed martial arts are cheap programming because you only need really one camera and boom. Yeah, no, I, uh, it's it's a it's going to be a it's a fun time for boxing, but I almost feel a little bit overwhelmed with the amount of things that that are going to be on because you know if you if you're a boxing fan, you know, and you guys even more than me, like you guys are are, are heavier uh, into into watching all the fights uh, more than I am. But I, I feel a little, a little overwhelmed when I see. Uh, I just went to one of the boxing schedules and I see how many, how many things are going to be on TV over the next month, and there, it's a ton. And uh, I do hope that we are going to be able to see these services create stars because at the end of the day, you can have, you can have a ton of product. But if you don't have a lot of stars, I think people will kind of, you know, give it a chance and then and then essentially tune out. And so now talking about stars, um, Robert alluded to uh, a fight that people do want to see, which is Joshua and Wilder. Um, Duan, did you have a counter to what to what Robert said about how he believes that it's uh, it's Hearn holding up that fight because Hearn wants Joshua to fight uh, a couple other fights that were, that he knows that he can draw with, uh, where you know Joshua probably doesn't have a real 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 trouble with. Because uh, I wanted to start talking about Joshua and then Wilder and Fury and how all that thing works out. Yeah, I I disagree with Robert on that one because you know I th- I think there's pure on. Both sides in this in in this rivalry, um, you know, I think both guys are using the media a lot to, you know, try further the cause. But the one thing I look to is the the Wilder side said there was no reason they were happy or they were happy to take the contract. They just needed a date and a date and a venue. Hearn said he would get back to them on it. They went to press. A mandatory got called, and he had to take the Pofetkin fight. Right now, what 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 what, ha- what happened? What you had to re- realize about, about this is Eddie Hearn has never never rescinded that contract. He has said that con- that exact same contract, and he's got the date now. It's it's April, and it's Wembley Stadium is still there for all. All Wilder has to do is put his name on it. So if he really agrees to the terms. All he has to do is so- sign his name on it. So th- 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 that's it from the Joshua side, and I just think. Also, what people are kind of neglecting a little bit is Povetkin is a little bit over the hill, but he is still a really, really dangerous fighter. This is an Olympic gold medalist, and he's one of the guys I wouldn't have put Joshua in with because it means a lot less. Um, It's a risk that I wouldn't have necessarily have taken before the big money Wilder fight. And on the Wilder side, I think Wilder's taking... like. Uh, the, the Fury fight because he thinks he's getting them at the right time. I, you know, Tyson ha- has had massive troubles out of the ring. He hasn't really had any real fights uh, since he's been back. Uh, and, you know, he was somebody who said himself he thought it would take another t- t- two or three fights before he was back up to speed. This offer come, came in and he's he's ju- he's jumped at it. Um, 
I don't think Fury's ready to be back in the ring. Now, if Fury is at 100%, he is a problem for Joshua and he's a problem for mm-hmm. Wilder as well. But I don't think we're yeah. going to see him at 100% right now. Right. And, and once again, excellent points made by doing. Did I, what, if you would put Joshua and Wilder in a room by themselves when this negotiation would happen, these guys would agree to heartbeat. They want to fight. Oh, each both other. of them are fighters. And they would. They would take it any day of the week. They would take the. They would fight each other next weekend if they could. But it's the promotions. It's the politics of boxing that always gets in the way. Lennox Lewis versus Riddick Bowe would have been a phenomenal, great, classic, legendary heavyweight fight. But their ego. Uh, people don't give Riddick promoters. his credit. He was a dangerous fighter back then. He dominated Evander Holyfield twice in three fights. No one did that. In Holyfield's prime. No one did that. Same Holyfield that beat Tyson twice. Riddick Bowe Riddick Bo would have been a problem for Mike Tyson. Riddick Bowe versus Lennox Lewis would have been a great, great fight. Riddick Bowe had a tremendous chin and incredible heart. The only thing Riddick Bowe didn't have was desire. He ate himself out of boxing. They should have fought. Three times they were going to fight, and all three times something got in the way. I don't want the same thing to happen with Joshua and Wilder. Joshua, like you said, do on his fate is fighting a possibly over the hill, but still dangerous Alexander Povetkin. All right. If Povetkin catches him right, he could knock him out. Povetkin has a tremendous right cross. Tyson Fury is oh oh my god, he's 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 this he's this generation's version of John Ruiz. He's a fucking puzzle that's hard to figure out <laughs> on his A game. All right? And it's hard to watch. But he could bore you into submission, just like John Reed did several times when he was heavyweight champion. So these two, instead of fighting each other right away, are going up against very dangerous opponents that could possibly derail this fight, just like when Lennox Lewis got knocked out by Oliver McCall after he had signed to fight Riddick Bowe next, or after Riddick Bowe got foul, foul destroyed by Andrew Galata forcing Lennox Lewis to fight somebody else or the first time when Riddick Bowe took the WBC title and threw it in a garbage can instead of fighting Lennox Lewis. Yeah, and I, I, I said that uh, to, to GG about uh, with the Wilder Lewis Ortiz fight. I, I said at, at the time going into that one, like, this is a crazy fight for them. Very to, big, to, yes. To, yes. And, and yeah, it turned almost, out to be, he, oh. got, he only barely got through that. <laughs> If Ortiz would have went to the body, Wilder would have got knocked out. <laughs> so, so on on this, you know, obviously, uh, and even Robert said he thinks there may be a little bit of frustration from boxing fans because we're seeing Canelo and Triple G again rather than Joshua and Wilder. Are there one thing I'll say is though, I do think Tyson Fury Wilder. By the time those two start talking, that's going to be a big fight because they both talk a tremendous show. They they can sell a fight trem- tremendously well. So wh- I just hope I just hope. Excuse me, one second. A uh, uh, double G. I almost called a triple G. I'm sorry. My apologies. <laughs> you're, you're you're a better you're a better man than him. Oh, anyway, God. back to our face. <laughs> it, I hope that there's no racial slurs and there's a possibility happening because Tyson Tyson Fury is known to say things with no type of political correctness. I hope if he's going and he's a great promo guy. But I hope he doesn't do what Conor McGregor did. Conor McGregor made that fight with Mayweather very, uh, very racial. I don't need to see that. These are two fighters. Stick to their flaws 
whatever. I hope it doesn't get 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 like that. That's but they both could do great promos and hopefully if they just talk about each other as fighters and what they're going to do to each other and stay away from the ethnic stereotypes and slurs because you could get on both you could get on both ends. Tyson Fury grew up a gypsy, all right. So he, he, you you can go both ways. I hope both fighters, both individuals, stay away from that and just talk about each other and the flaws they see in each other and what they're going to do to each other. It's going to be a highly entertaining fight. Uh, I don't know. Fury's got a tremendous chin. I don't know if Wilder could knock him out. This could be a case where Wilder, who's stabbing him with suspect, as you saw in the whole team's fight, because if he doesn't knock Fury out, could tire and be susceptible to a late-round stoppage by Fury. I still haven't made my pick in that fight. Who do you, where do you think that fight's going to happen, uh, Robert? Do you think that uh, fight's going to happen in America? Gonna, I or think you... it's going to be, being that PBC is promoting it in, in, with, uh, what's the promoter? Uh, was it Maloney? Uh, Frank Warren. Who's the promoter for Fury? Frank Warren. For, 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 Warren, yeah. the, 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 the two of them are, are, are uh, co-promoting. I, I see a Vegas fight because I think um, both fighters see there'll be more money to made in Vegas with the gambling and it's going to be pay-per-view in America, so you want to, you don't have to stagger it so the British fans will see it at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. It'll be on. They'll be in the arena at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. It'll be on television, and while you might be up 3, 4, or 5 o'clock in the morning, you can watch it, DVR it or whatever, watch it when you get up. No spoilers. Instead of being in an arena at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning to see this fight. So uh, outside of the of the two fights that you guys just mentioned, is there any other big fight out there that you think could get the attention of the casual fan? And Duan, we'll start with you. There are there are Duan. Go ahead, go ahead, Duan. Um, I, I I think I think you know at that mix at heavyweight now and and as uh, with, with Joshua Wilder Fury Dillian White's up there uh, Dirk Store uh, UE Fury I think Pafetkin there's a great mix at heavyweight and the other the other weight that there's a great mix out as we just talked about were middleweight and I think you know it's about getting the, the best guys in with the best guys in those divisions and you know. With all the, the the exposure they have now, you know you can't you can kind of build a series of fights and get people excited about those. Um, this this bill coming up next week. There's one I wanted to ask Robert about because this guy I don't know a lot about. Um, uh, Moniga, uh, he's fighting against Jamie Mugaya. Yeah, or, uh, as, as he's a junior middleweight. You know, he's 21 years old. He's got a couple of good wins in his last few fights against Saddam Ali and um, Liam Smith. Um, mm-hmm. Is this a guy who could possibly, you know, you know, be a big, big, big star for the, the Mexican fans? He's, you know, he's got his whole career in front of him. He's got an exciting style, from what I can see, and you know, he has got those couple of big wins. And you know, looking at the guy he's against on this one, Brandon Cook. Uh, it looks like a pretty soft opponent. It looks like kind of a showcase bout for, for, for him in front of, you know, Canelo's fans. So do you think this is a guy who could be a, 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 a star uh, in America? He has a pleasing style. I've been watching him since his 10 for 11 pro fight. All of his early fights were on Spanish television. Uh, be in Espanol, be in sports in Spanish, have shown his career since the beginning. And so I knew about him 
before he fought Ali, and I was like, why the fuck is Ali taking this guy as a replacement for Smith? This guy coming off coming off the fight and, with Co- the win against Cotto as well, you know. It, 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 I don't and, think anybody's ever leveraged a big win less than uh, than Saddam Ali did in that one. Yeah, so he destroyed Saddam Ali. I mean, he just walked through Smith. Um, Mugaya has a type of style that will make him a lot of money, and he yes, he could be very. He's an action fighter, and he's in two divisions. He fluctuates between super uh, super welterweight and middleweight, and the junior middleweight division, the super welterweight division right now is very talented. And with, with the other Charlo brother, Jamel Charlo, uh, it was Londi Lara who, and the guy who beat him, a guy that not, not enough people are talking about and a premier boxing is close to signing this fight. Jared Hurd and Jamel Charlo look to be fighting each other to unify some of the uh, super welterweight world titles. That'll be a tremendous fight. Jared Hurd is a tremendous fighter who is this big super welterweight who walks you down, walks to your punches, and beats the hell out of you. A fight between Jaime Magua and Jared Hurd would be epic. I mean, it would be a tremendous fight for fight fan enthusiasts. It, could, it would be two skilled fighters with a lot of pop that will come at each other. Oh, that would be a tremendous fight. So... To, let, let's end the podcast on this, which is uh, all the all the boxing that we're going to have on TV from here on out, at least for the next few years. Who are some guys that you would that you would uh, tell fans who are kind of maybe watching or half watching or want to get back into boxing? Because um, I remember I can remember uh, doing telling me about certain guys before they even turned pro. Like you got to watch this guy. You got to watch this guy. Um, and and. Uh, like, like, just you know, we can start with doing. Like, who would you, who would you say, hey, you know, if you like this style of boxing, which is an aggressive, you know, knockout style, here's who you should watch. Or if you like the real technical style of someone who's going to be, you know, a great technical fighter, here's who you could watch. Out of all, out, out of all the guys that that you've sort of been watching, who would you, who would you offer as, uh, you know, must see for for fans coming in? Um, I think. One of the, I think the division that is going to really light up in the next couple of years if the fights get made is light heavyweight. Uh, this guy, Dimitri Bival, who I think is an absolutely fantastic fighter. And then there's another guy called Alexander Gwazik, who he will be fighting Adonis Stevenson soon. And I think he is going to wipe out Stevenson. He, he, that guy is the real deal. Uh, you're talking... Um, Lomachenko, uh, Alexander Usyk, he's that that type of that type of fighter. He's he's that le- that level of skill. Um, I think he's going to be the light heavyweight. What we kind of hoped Kovalev was him and Baval. I think they're going to dominate that division over the next few years, and I think there's going to be some really good fights between guys there. And you've also got uh, Beterbiev in that division as well. He's just signed with Matrium. He's another fantastic fighter they'd be three of the guys i i'd look look to uh to, to lead the way in that division and hopefully bring some light back to light heavyweight because you know it's a division that's kind of been simmering for the last few years and i think we were we we like you know we talked about 
the big fight that doesn't get made that doesn't get made you know how it could happen with Wilder and Fury and I think that's what happened with light heavyweight I think that that division was simmering for years and years and we always wanted to see the the Stevenson Kovalev fight and it it never happened then Kovalev got beaten and I think Stevenson's now going to get beaten now but I do think there's a a new generation of fighters coming through that and and we are going to see those fights what about you Robert you could add you could add uh, a, a leader Alvarez to that mix a strong top four in the light heavyweight division, uh, the three Russians and Alvarez. I mean, four very good fighters, all four fighters with Hall of Fame ability. Some epic fights to be made with those four fighters alone. Tremendous. Great point, doing as always. Now, I'm going to talk about the one guy that could just, I mean, he is going to become, if he not already is, the greatest fighter ever to come out of Japan. You had your first Japanese Grand Slam champion today. Well, <laughs> the greatest fighter ever to come out of Japan, who's in the World Boxing Super Series to- a bantamweight tournament. I know who you're going to Nio- say here. Nioa Monster Inoue. The man is a beast. The man is a bantamweight version of Thomas Hearns, my idol. The man has a bludgeoning jab, a battering ram of a jab, bricks in both hands. When he hurts you, he goes to the body and we don't know about his chin because he kills everybody. Come on, the beast. <laughs> I love watching this guy fight. He is musty TV. He's fighting in Japan in October, first round of the WBSS Bantamweight tournament. And, wow, he's just a tremendous fighter. And a guy we saw on ESPN a couple weeks ago with a first-round knockout, Isaac Dope Boy, who reminds me, of a young Azuma Nelson, and he's from Azuma Nelson's homeland of Ghana. That kid is much TV as well. Those two. I remember fighters. him in the in the Olympics, and I thought I thought he was a. I, I, I can't remember who he who he lost to. He, he, he was raw. He was he raw was raw. Yeah, he, had, he was raw. He had just started boxing. He had played soccer most of his life. He had just started boxing. He's a natural, but yeah, uh, he, he know he. I love him. Know he. Love his style, and he comes. He's an aggressive boxer with a great jab, low reach, and bricks in both hands. We don't know if he could take a punch because he kills everybody. He'll be and, in the WPSS tournament. And that 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 that, that bantamweight division is no no joke either. There's going to be good fights in that. Sol, Solani Teddy, this African fighter, he's a really really good fighter. Um, Ryan Burnett from from over here. Yeah. Uh, He's a, he's a, he was a unified champion in this division. There is undefeated fighters out there in that division. And, you know, in no way has set himself as the clear front runner in that. You know, he knocked out Jamie McDonald. And you saw, I'm sure you saw that, that fight in one oh, round. I mean, Jamie McDonald is a good, a, good fighter. Was, he's a, world, he's a multiple time world champion. A world class, he's a world class, very good, almost great fighter. And Inoue destroyed him. Destroyed him like he was beating his son. Um, you have Zolani Tetti, Ryan Burnett, and you have Manny Rodriguez of Puerto Rico who's destroyed everybody. They stepped up in that, in that, and he's undefeated also. You know he's better than all of them. It's not going to be easy. I think uh, Zolani fights Inoue in the finals, and he'll, he's not going to knock Zolani out right away. But I see either a late-round stoppage or decision win ultimately the champion Inoue and just to say just because you mentioned it that World Boxing Super Series if there is any boxing fans who aren't 
follow, haven't been following season one of that, it's something to get on season two. It produces great fight after great fight. Would you agree, Robert? Yeah, uh, don't, don't, the Doctor the Kiss fight was a phenomenal, one of the best cruiserweight fights of all time. Great 12-round war. Yeah, absolutely. This is got the final coming up in the Super Millweights. In, I think that's in October, is it? Um, uh, George Groves against Callum Smith. That'll be good. And then we've, we're kicking off with the, the three new uh, three new weights that month as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, also another guy you look out for, a Southern fans, Southern boxer fans. New Orleans has a boxer for the first <laughs> has a very good fighter for the first time since. Uh, Probably Willie Pastrano in the 1960s. New Orleans doesn't have a rich boxing history. Regis Prograce is in the super lightweight tournament. The other tournament you talk about, and he's an exciting fighter, and he'll be fighting next month. He's against in the Terry Flanagan, isn't he? Yeah, and that's going to be a very good fight. That's, a, very that's good another fight. very Flanagan, good fight, yeah. Flanagan's a good fighter. All right, fellas, we're going to have to do this again sometime. Um, this, was a, this was a lot of fun. Um, if uh you know for for folks who who uh want to get back into boxing this is the perfect time to do it uh Duan and Robert are fantastic uh people to follow if you are a boxing fan and and want to follow some folks on Twitter Duan is at uh Duan Dub D U A N D U B and uh, Robert yeah I know you have some numbers at the end of yours what what is your actual Twitter handle All right Robert the way you spell it, Silva, S-I-L-V is the victor, A, 5768. So follow, follow those guys, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll keep uh, – I, I, I cannot keep up with these guys when it comes to boxing, but whenever I need uh, any information or if I'm trying to figure out, like, what time something is, like, I just DM these guys because they, they, uh, they, they know it better than anybody. So um, thanks, guys, for hanging out here. Uh, and hey, uh, 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 Double D, the next the next uh, podcast we should do together. And I enjoyed this one. This is one of my favorite. This is up there with the one we did about the the, the Leonard Hearns fight. <laughs> yeah, we should uh, we should uh, do this the week before the Wilder uh, Fury fight. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, yeah, the, the I mean the only thing that makes it a little bit hard is that we're all in like three completely different time zones but you know you know i'm down i i will i will make sure that that i make time if uh if, if you and doing can can make some time so um so yeah let, let before we'll, we'll i do go, it again and before i go i haven't watched it yet i recorded it how was the bobby brown movie <laughs> i haven't i haven't i haven't watched it myself because i was okay. a little afraid that it was going to become the Bobby versus Whitney tabloid fodder that I hated living through, and so I didn't. I didn't watch it, and and so I'm I'm kind of waiting for folks to tell me what they thought about it. Okay, all right. I haven't watched it. I'm just no. You 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 you're one of the few new edition fans as big as I am. So I just want to know if you watched it. Yeah, absolutely. But those who haven't watched the new edition story that that was on uh, 18 months ago, sensational. One of the best. Uh, miniseries ever done on the musical group. Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, so, so yeah, so thanks to you, thanks to you both. We'll do this again uh, for Doon and Robert. I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.